he is right for having it because he knows he put something in you. Therefore, he is having expectation from you. And so he came seeking fruit from the tree, the fig tree, and he found none. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. What is God seeking from you that he is not finding? What is God seeking from you that he's not finding? Can you answer that? For three years, for three years, that tree was planted in good soil, receiving the necessary nutrients. Water was flowing to the roots. Climate was good. And it was under the watchful eyes of the gardener and still it produced no fruit. And the owner was not happy about that. Again, the owner knows what he invests in his stuff. So when the master, the owner, came to that fig tree and wanted fruit for three years, keep coming. That's a lot of seasons in three years. And he keeps coming looking for fruit, and there's no fruit. He knows what he invested. He knows he placed that tree in good soil. He knows water is flowing to the root. He made certain of it. He gave a gardener to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, uh, to take care of it. He knows everything that he invested in the tree. And after three years, he's like, no fruit. So I ask you the question again. What is God expecting from you that he's not finding? I am sure the owner said to himself, I've planted you for a purpose and you have not fulfilled that purpose. You wasted the space in the soil and you had no value. Because nobody wants to put their time and energy and effort into something and it yields nothing. You put your time, you put your effort, you put your energy, and you're just doing what you got to do to cultivate whatever that thing is that belongs to you, and you get nothing back from it. Nobody likes that. But we want God to like that. You and me were given more than enough time to fulfill our purpose just like that tree. And the question is, what are we doing in what God has entrusted in us? And so when God came, he's the owner, and said, no fig, three years, cut it down. That's it. That's it. I gave you enough time. Done. Get rid of it. Took up enough soil, hung around long enough, doing nothing. 
get rid of it. I know people like to think about God. He is so good. He's so loving. He's so kind. And so we rest on those things when we don't want to do right. Because we keep wanting God to put up with our mess time after time. He is, he's been putting up with it for a long time. How much longer do we want God to put up with our unproductive self? How much longer do we want him to put up with that? Remember, if he's loving and he's kind and he's merciful, which he is, by the time he brings it to your attention, you had more than enough time. By the time he brings it to your attention to say, what are you doing? You had more than enough time. Mm-hmm. And so he says, remove that thing out of there. It, it, it's no good. No purpose has been fulfilled. It has no value. It's not doing anything. Remove it. That's when the gardener pleaded with the owner. Uh-huh, he did. The gardener said, let me work with this tree one more year. Woo. Don't remove it yet, owner. Let me work with this tree one more year, and let's see what we can do with it. I will do all I can, and just maybe it will produce fruit. If not, then do what you got to do, owner. This, my brothers and sisters, is an example of grace. This is an example of grace. Your creator who saved you, who empowered you, who imparted to your gifts and talents and abilities, who prepared you to be a success, who designed you that way. And then when you got saved, he says, now you're ready. To be all that you were designed to be. Go do what I called you to do now. And you just sat back and did nothing. You just showed up. Listen. Just showed up. Say hello. But you didn't produce anything. You didn't produce anything. And he watched you do that for a long time. You're going to keep on doing it like that? Nothing? He's going to keep on doing nothing? Just nothing? Every once in a while, he'll let there be a good downpouring. Good downpouring. Because maybe you're not getting enough water. So you may there be a good downpouring so water flow into the roots. All right, maybe now I inspired them. Nothing. Today I'm going to make the climate 70 degrees, no humidity, and all the water that came the other day, that's still at the roots. 
That's it. You know, we just had a great move of God's spirit in our service Sunday. That was a downpour. <laughs> just in case, you know, I, I, you know, you missed out on what I'm saying. That was a downpour. Every time we get a move of God's spirit among, that was a downpour. Every time the word of God comes strong, that, that's, that's some food going into your, nourishing you. And God is doing all these things to try to get us to respond and be who he created us to be. But we're still like, which way did he go, George? So the owner says, in spite of the long time I've given for you to produce, and you didn't, I'll give you a little bit more time. Church, grace. We're getting time we don't deserve. We're getting opportunities we don't deserve. That's grace. We're getting what we don't deserve from God. He doesn't have to do what he's doing at this point because he's done so much already. So he doesn't have to do anything else. He's done more than enough for each and every one of us already. And so for all of us to wake up every day and still telling God what we need him to do, I think that might not be so intelligent. I think we ought to wake up every day and say, God, what can I do for you? Because you've done so much for me. When are we going to wake up and our prayer will be, God, what can I do for you today? How do you want me to live today? Who can I talk to today? Who face can I get into today to encourage them? That's what we ought to wake up and pray, not wake up and say, God, will you do this? Will you do it? We've got what we need already. When he designed us, he put things in us. He equipped us. And then when we got saved, he activated those things. We don't need nothing more from God. We've got what we need to do what he wants us to do. But we're still saying, God, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. If we're going to be healthy spiritually, if we're going to be healthy mentally and emotionally, we're going to have to grow. We're going to have to grow. Because if we're not growing, we are unhealthy. If you had a baby and the baby was not growing, guess what? You would take that baby to the doctor and say, Doc, my baby is two years old and he still looks like an infant like he's not moving. If your baby is not, he's eating or she's eating and they're not going to the bathroom, you're going to be worried. So you better worry about yourself. If you're eating and drinking and you ain't letting nothing out, you in trouble. And just like you would take your baby, say, doc, check him out, check her out. You need to check out too. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. The tree didn't deserve any more additional time. For it already had three years to produce fruit. 
But when grace appears, the law ceases. Somebody hear me tonight. When grace appears, the law ceases. So when people get grace in their life, they don't have to follow the rules and regulations because grace does something different. Now, I'm not telling you that you do whatever you want. What I'm telling you is grace introduced a different way of living as opposed to the law. Because if God allowed us to live by the law, he would have been struck us down. Law said we we supposed to be striking down, struck down because of all that's been entrusted in us and we've done not really anything with it. So if we were living under the law, we were supposed to be gone out of here and not in a good way. But grace says, I'm giving you a little bit more time. Grace says you don't deserve this time, but I'm giving you a little bit more time. Grace said, you don't deserve what I'm doing for you right now, but I'm doing it anyhow. You want me to tell you something about grace that's interesting that we don't stop to think about? Grace is not only the opportunity and the favor given by God. It is also God empowering us. To do what he wants us to do during that time of the favor and the opportunity. Some people think grace just means you get this, you get this, you get this, and you don't have to do anything. God just come and just be gracious to you. No, in the time of grace, you have to do something as well. God empowers you to do what he needs you to do. So grace is not just given to you for you to have great opportunities and for you to be able to be blessed and experience the favor of God. That's part of it. But trust me, there's a requirement because you also have to do something. See, we don't understand that. And we keep on pushing this thing off on God like God does all the work and you do nothing. And you've heard me say this time and time again that that's not relationship, church. God is interested in relationship. God is not interested in being our slave. Because if we really think about how some people are living for God, you're trying to make God your slave. You put your request in and he do the work. He ain't God. If that's how we're living, he ain't God to you. If all we do is put our request in, God, can you do? God, can you do? He's not God to you. You're just pulling the string and telling him what to do. That ain't, that ain't no God. He ain't no God. So we got to rethink how we relate to God. And what God expects from us is that we're in relationship. That's what that covenant thing is called, relationship. And from the very beginning, God established covenant with his people. Covenant means you're going to have to do something, and I will do something. You're going to have to do something, I will do something. But nobody does everything, and the next one doesn't. A lot of people living for God like that, though. They want God to do everything. And they just like come to church and say, isn't God good? <laughs> God, God, you just do everything. And they just say, How, won't he do it? You know the little cliches. Won't God do it? Yes, he will. <laughs> and, and that's what we come. That's what we come. And so when, you know, we, we hear good singing, we start dancing because we think, ain't God good? Ha! 
He is so good. He's better to me than five husbands. <laughs> hey, that's the word. Get in the word. Get in the word. Elkanah told Hannah that. He said, and I'm better to you than a whole bunch of husbands or kids or whatever it was that he said to her. And so sometimes, you know, we just want to brag on how good God is. And we don't do anything on our part because in our mind, he does it all and we just get all the blessing. And that's what we think Christianity is. God does it all and we just get all the blessings. Grace allow you to be healed as well. When grace come, you have an opportunity to be healed. That tree was sick. And when grace came, the gardener said, let me work with it a little bit. Let me do a little something for you tree because you, you're not performing and so maybe I can do a little CPR or do something and you'll start doing what you're supposed to do. So when grace shows up, guess what? Healing is present. Mm -hmm. Grace and truth give us the ingredients for proper growth. Mm -hmm. Many of us need to be healed so we can grow. You may need the dead branches clipped. You may need a little more fertilizing. You may need somebody to just kind of turn over the soil around you. But many of us need some healing so we can be who God called us to be. And so whether you are sick or you just decide to reject everything, I pray that tonight after this message, you will get this word in your spirit and says, God, I want to be a healthy Christian. I want to be who you call me to be. Therefore, God, I am going to let you do what you want to do in my life. If it's healing, go ahead and heal me. If I've been rebellious, if I've rejected your word, then forgive me, Lord, and help me tonight. But we need to do something so we can get healthy. We need to be honest with ourselves and says, I'm not healthy because I'm not producing any fruit. And because I'm not producing any fruit, I can't call myself healthy because everything is supposed to produce something. You didn't know that? Everything produces after its kind. Yeah. Uh -huh. So if you're not producing, you're not healthy. Something is wrong. You're either rebellious or you're just sick. It's up to you which one you want to have. That's an interesting deal. <laughs> which one do you want to own up to? Being rebellious or just saying, I'm plain old sick. Just help me. I'm, I'm sick. <laughs> which one do you want to be? I think some of y'all might just decide to be sick, huh? Nobody wants to be looked at as being rebellious. Uh-huh. <laughs> Listen to me. Jesus wants to be or he wants to heal you so you can be at your best in Christ remember I told you the other day everybody's talking about living their best life you can't live your best life out of Christ 
There is no way to live your best life out of Christ. There's no way for fish to be the best fish it can be out of water. There's no way for a tree to produce if it's not in soil. Me or you, we cannot live our best life outside of Christ. So for everybody that's talking about I'm living my best life, you only live once. If they're not in Christ, they're lying to themselves. You can't live your best life out of Christ. Fish can't swim out of water. Trees can't grow out of the soil. So you can't live your best life out of Christ. The Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. So I don't know how somebody can have their best life out of Christ. We might need to be healed. Or we might need to just get it together. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what kind of healing you may need. Jesus can heal you from any sickness. The sickness could be spiritual. The sickness could be emotional. The sickness could be mental or physical. If you are sick in any format, Jesus can heal you. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, surely he had borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. If you want peace in your life, you need Jesus. If you need your body healed, you need Jesus. If you need your mind right, you need Jesus. If you need your soul right, you need Jesus. The only way to be healed and live your best life. You can't do this without Jesus. You can't make it without Jesus. And if you think you're making it without Jesus, hear this preacher tonight. You're lying to yourself. You're deceiving yourself. If you think you can make it without your creator. You can't say you never heard this before. And so if you keep deceiving yourself and you show up one day before the Lord and he says, depart from me, for I never knew you, don't be upset because you heard it here tonight. Don't be upset if you ever say, depart from me, for I never knew you, because I'm telling you, you can't make it without Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you say you're saved, you are his possession, which means you do what he says. And if you're living a Christian life, how you want, how you think, how you feel, you're not his possession. We can't be saved living the way we want. As I like to mess with you and says, find me the person that went to heaven and came back and describe how it all happened for them. You can't find that person. There's only one that went to heaven. His name is Jesus. So that's the only one you can trust to guide you to heaven. Because he's the only one that went there. You think, listen, remember I tell you I don't like to rain in your parade and get everybody all, you know, worked up. But there's nobody in heaven but Jesus and angels. Everybody that died, they're in a place. Some people call it paradise or in the presence of God. If you died in Christ, that's where you are. And if you die out of Christ, you're in hell. But nobody's in heaven. 
My God is so sharp in how he does things. Because here's, here's how good he is. The Bible says he's no respecter of persons. You think that if you die, oh God, who I just superb. He is superb. The Bible says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So whether you're living or you die, you're in the presence of God. But what he did was he didn't let you go to heaven before me. Man, God. He did not let anybody go to heaven before anybody because then you'll be, why did you get to heaven before me? Nobody didn't get to heaven yet. The Bible says in Thessalonians that the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will all be with him and go to heaven. Nobody is in heaven. If they died in God, they're in the presence of God. If they died out of God, they're in hell. And if you're living for God while you're alive, you're in the presence of God because the Holy Ghost is supposed to be in your life. So if we're in Christ, dead or alive, we are in his presence. That's just the way it works. So it's nice that we have these programs. They went home. Don't go telling nobody. Don't get nobody upset at no funeral. You don't want to do that. Please don't. I'm, I'm just teaching you the word of God, okay? I don't want you to be traditional. I'm teaching you the word of God that nobody's in heaven, okay? If they die in Christ, they're in a the presence, but they're not in heaven. When the rapture comes, that's when we all go to heaven. I don't care who they are. Nobody went to heaven ahead of us. When the rapture comes, the dead will rise. Then we which are alive, we'll all be caught up together in the air with Christ. Then we'll zoom, zoom, zoom into heaven. But nobody went to heaven. God is too good for that. He says, I love you all so good that I'm not going to let him go to heaven before you. Why should he go before you? What, what made him special to get to heaven before you? You, you know, lately I've been telling you about, you know, uh, we, we're afraid to die. Not realizing that if you die in Christ, you're better off because you're not dealing with the everyday struggle anymore. Uh huh. Yeah, you die in Christ, you don't deal with the everyday struggle anymore. And you can just seal your ticket that I'm going. But every day that you're here on this earth, you have to battle, you have to struggle, and you can lose out on eternal life if you don't do what you're supposed to do while you're here. So it's important. To make sure you do what you got to do. So when you die, you die in Christ. And when the time comes, you will be resurrected. You will be caught up to meet everybody in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So comfort one another. That's the word of God. So nobody's in heaven. Nobody didn't go home. Don't mess with the people program. Don't mess with people um, funeral program. They say it's home going service. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. I'm not trying to start no trouble. I just want you to know the word of God. And so you understand that if we are going to be healthy, meaning that we grow and produce good fruit, we need to be healed. We need for the power of God to work in our life that we can be healed and whole so we can be and do what God called us to do. We need to learn the season 
we're in also. Because sometimes we're wanting things to be done when we're out of season. Uh huh. So as trees, as I mentioned earlier, fruit trees, fruitful trees, that's how the Bible describes us in the Old Testament. So we got to realize that there are seasons. Trees deal with seasons. And they don't bear fruit every season. Right? So here we go. Some season is for nourishing the tree. The tree need to be nourished in some season. That's summertime. Some season is for harvesting. Tree got to grow and produce fruit. That's fall time. Some season uh huh, is for the tree to die. That's wintertime. Now, there's two kind of situations with the tree dying. It can be the tree die, but then when springtime come around, the tree spring up. Or it could be the tree die because it completed its time for existence. Uh huh. So winter is a time for death. Uh huh. So we are in the season right now, if we look at our season, of nourishing and producing. So this is a good time for all of us. We're supposed to be taking in what God is feeding us. We're supposed to take in what God has given us. And then as we move closer to the fall time, we're supposed to start to see some fruit on our tree. And then the other season, as I mentioned, that's the season uh, of, of spring. It, 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 it's, it's, it's the time when the trees start growing again, springing up again, start getting healthy and growing. That's what the springtime is all about. Christians go through stages of growth. It could be the nourishing time. It could be the 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 the, the Bearing fruit time. It could be the dying time. It could be the springing up time. But you have to know the season that you're in. So Christians go through stages of growth. We must mature in one stage before we can go to the next stage of growth. This is very significant that you understand that. Because some of us get frustrated why we're not seeing certain growth in our life. But what it really comes down to is where are you? And where are you? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Because if you're not doing what you're supposed to do where you are, you can't go to the next part of your growth. And so people get frustrated because they're like, why are they doing that and I'm not doing that? Well, maybe you're not doing what you're supposed to do where you are in your process. Uh-huh. The concrete foundation of a house must be hardened before the frame can be added. When they lay the foundation, that concrete foundation, that slab, as they call it, when they lay that slab, you can't start putting a frame up on that slab. You got to wait for that slab to harden and dry before you can start putting up the frame. So that tells you. That there's stages to our growth. And we got to realize that we have to fulfill or do what we're supposed to do at the stage we're at. And if we don't, we can't go to the next stage. An apple tree needs time to mature before its limbs 
can carry the weight of ripe fruit. So if you're still springing up, there's no way that you're going to have fruit on you. Your, your branches are weak. You're still springing up. But when you get the nourishment and you get nurtured and the branches get strong, then by fall time, you can handle fruit. This stuff is, woo, help us, Holy Ghost. Jesus is also an example of the growth process. <laughs> Think of how the devil tempted Jesus. He offered him instant gratification. We are usually enticed by shortcuts, but shortcuts usually spell failure because there's a process in growth. There's a process in how you're supposed to be. In the parable of the sower, Jesus warned us against fast growth that has no depth. Finishing up here. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 4 says, And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Your roots got to go deep before the tree can get strong and grow. So instant gratification, instant success don't work in the kingdom of God. You go through the process just like everybody else. That's going to be a challenge for our generations that are here now and generations to come. Because as we see, things are happening quick in our world. And it's so easy for us to see what's happening in our world and then decide that, you know, we get the kingdom of God and we have the same expectations. But God process don't change. Just like he took everybody through from the time he created through their process, you're going through the process too. And there's no other way to go. And so when the devil came to Jesus and offered him instant satisfaction, we know what he did. He used the word and straightened him out. Because the bottom line is Jesus is like, yo, dude, I got to go through the process. And I'm not skipping any steps. We're not supposed to skip any steps. We're supposed to go through the process. Don't try to circumvent the process. Don't try to go around the process. Don't try to move quicker than anything or anyone else. Because the bottom line, everybody has to go through the same process in the kingdom of God. Nobody gets to jump the line in the kingdom of God. Nobody gets to go before the time. Everybody has to go through the process. And I watch... In the, in the scriptures, how it worked, and even in my own little life. If you watch Jesus, you just shake your head sometimes. Because Jesus made you go through such a process that you can't even think. I, just, I don't know about some people, but I would never be, I was never able to think what Jesus would do in my life. I couldn't. Because how his process worked is so long 
and it's so just the process that you can't think that, oh, that's, I don't know. Because even when he gives you a glimpse to let you know what he's going to do, life has a way of making you go through so many things. And he allows it because it's part of the process that in your mind, whatever. Somebody told me a long time ago, Sister Russell, God called you to be a pastor. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. Long time ago. Like, Sister Russell, you have no clue. I'm just trying to survive around here, trying to do my work and serve the Lord. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so it's been a long time that I heard that. Not just from her. But the process is so God's process that you don't have time to think about that. You just want to make it through the next day. Just, Lord, help me get to the next day. I can't think about being no preacher. Standing where I am, sitting where I am, that seems impossible. I hear you, Lord, and I know you don't mess around, but I'm just telling you what you got to go through day after day. There's no way to think you're going to be that in 15 years and 20 years. You're just like, whatever. But that's what he did for everybody. That's my point of sharing that with you. That's what he did for everybody. Elisha didn't just become this great prophet. He had to follow behind Elijah. He had to follow. He wasn't doing no miracle, just following behind Elijah. Just doing whatever Elijah. You need some water? What do you need? He just followed behind Elijah. And later on, he became a prophet and did more miracles than Elijah. But I'm sure when he was following Elijah, he okay, maybe I'll it, when you go through the process, you can't see far. If somebody is seeing far going through the process, warning about them. Because I don't know too many. Go back and read your Bible and see how many men of God and women of God that knew. I just know I'm going to be. Poor Jeremiah. He told Jeremiah, I knew thee before you was forming your mother's womb. And Jeremiah came out like trying to mind his own business. Forgot all about that, and then one day the Lord tell him, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Before you know it, Jeremiah got to be doing all this stuff. And he's like, man, what is going on here? The apostle Paul, he's my favorite one, because the Lord said, he must suffer many things for my sake. Paul didn't know he was going to be considered the greatest of the apostles, because he never got a chance to walk with Jesus. And back then, to walk with Jesus made you chief apostle. He never walked with Jesus. So when the Lord says, you're going to have to bear many things from mine, Paul probably think, eh, you know, I, I was persecuting Christians, so maybe I do a little something here, a little something here for the Lord. He didn't know he was going to be that kind of apostle. It's a process. And we can't circumvent it. It's just what it is. And even though sometimes it might feel like, man, before I could ever do anything for the Lord, he's going to come back. Because a lot of us thought, I thought that too. There's no way I could be no preacher. God is coming back before I become a preacher. <laughs> Woo! So you think a lot of things, you don't pay him no mind, like, oh, whatever. Because all we're thinking about is God's getting ready to come back. So whatever he's calling you, me to do, it's going to be. But God just wants you to live day by day. Day by day. Don't you go week by week or two days by day by day. I preached at my father's funeral. Lord, teach us to number our days because so many of us live and we just live carelessly and we don't think about each day needs to be a day live unto God. Just take it day by day, not week by week, month by month, year, day by day. And the Lord wants us to number our days. So every day we live, we're doing his will. 
In order for us to ever bear fruit, we must first become a healthy tree. We must be planted in good soil. The church is good soil. We must take in proper nutrients. The word of God is good nutrients. Right climate, prayer, worship, praise. Uh, You are responsible for the climate. When you pray, when you worship, when you praise, right climate. You cultivate the right climate. Water. Holy Ghost. Uh Uh-huh. And guess what? The preacher that you think you don't need, that's your gardener. The preacher that you think you don't need, that's the one that going to say, Lord, because the preacher see what's going on. And the preacher is the one that go to the Lord and say, Lord, please, can you give one more year? You never thought about that. You, you, you didn't think that the preacher was praying for you saying, Lord, I, I know they haven't been productive, but can you just give them just a little bit more time, Lord? Let me work the best I can. I'm going to call them up, Lord. I'm going to call them up. I'm going to meet with them, and I'm going to talk to them and pray with them, Lord. Can you just give them a little bit more time, Lord? Yeah, that's what the preacher does. And the preacher prays, God, give me a word that I can preach it to them and it will help them. That's what the preacher does. Lord, give me the right words to say when I speak to them. That's what the preacher says. All while you don't realize you're living in grace. And the preacher begging God to help him, to help him so he can help you. So we need all of that in order to experience health, healthy living. So we can grow and be healthy. I close with this verse, 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you believe this verse now? Now you believe it. When you go back and you think about that fig tree, now when you read this, it makes a big difference. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Guess what he said to the gardener? All right, I'll give it more grace. I'll give it more time. But if it don't do what it's supposed to do, I'm still doing what I said I'm going to do. So now you go back to this and you say, oh, snap. So don't sleep on God and thinking he's just some soft God that when he gives you a chance, he's going to give you an everlasting chance. No, he gives you some grace that you don't deserve. But if you don't do what you're supposed to do, guess what? What he said he would do, just what he's going to do. So the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. That's why he gave the tree an extra year. And for the gardener to help out, long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. Just like the tree, he wasn't willing to root it up and destroy it. But that all should come to repentance. So finally, finally, grace is also, remember I told you, it's an opportunity and favor that God gives us. But it's also God empowers us. And in this case, God will empower us so we can repent. So 
if you've been rejecting God, not sick, if you've been rejecting God, repent. If you've been sick, get healed. You can't escape it now. So if, if, if for whatever the reasons are, we haven't been producing fruit, we haven't been living healthy in Christ, it's either because we were sick or we were rebellious. And if we were rebellious, we need to repent. And if we were sick, we need to get healed, one or the other. But God is calling us to get right so we can be who we're supposed to be. So we can produce good fruit and be the people of God that we ought to be. Let's stand to our feet. God loves us, church. Some reason we always think love means you do whatever you want and you don't get corrected. You know that's not the point. You know that's not the case. That love just means you just get to do whatever you want and you never get corrected. No, we're going to be gracious when we say we love. We're going to give you more than what you deserve when we say we love. But at some point, if you keep doing what you want to do and not do what you're supposed to do, we got to stand and say, I'm sorry. But this is what I have to do. That's love. Miss Joy. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I, 20th of uh, July, uh-huh. suddenly my heart started racing for right. no reason. 160, 170, I went to the hospital and I called you. Yes. You said you're praying for me. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened. They couldn't handle it. They hus- uh, at uh, Capital Health. Uh-huh. They transported me to uh, Deborah Hospital with the ambulance. So there, uh, I pray that none of us will be a victim of medical mistake in Jesus' name. Uh-huh. So on the 20th, on the 22nd, I went into the theater for cardiac ablation. Uh-huh. They're supposed to do what they call mapping before they start the procedure. So they did the mapping. I went in. I came out. They're supposed to, everything's supposed to be done. But uh, the electrophysiologist said, Oh, Miss Joy, you understand you're a nurse. As we were pulling out the instrument, mind you, I was given a cut in the groin where they passed a tube from my groin to my heart. They're supposed to, when they get to the heart, all those parts that are producing all those abnormal waves, they will just burn them. Mm-hmm. So now they t- they're telling me that, oh, as we are pulling out the instrument, we felt another wave on the left heart. Therefore, we are going to go back into your heart. That, that's a mistake right there. Remember, when they started, they did mapping. They're supposed to have pinpointed all the areas where the abnormal wave was coming from. Maybe they missed it. But that was when 
that God of suddenly visited. Mm -hmm. On the 22nd, we went back to the theater. Getting there, I was intubated and everything. Less than 15 minutes, they removed everything. They said they couldn't do it. Now they are telling me that my, my uh, throat was small. They did not have equipment that will fit. Therefore, they are going to reschedule me and I will have to come back. They will have to call another electrophysiologist to come and do that. Then August 12th, I went back and I called you. I said, Pastor, I'm back uh, to Deborah, but I don't even know how I'm going to come back. You said you will send Pastor's wife to come and get me when everything is done. So um, while I was waiting and praying, this young doctor came to me and started asking me questions that started questioning my faith. He said, do you have um, premature death in your family? I said, no, not that I know of. I said, why? He said, the kind of, it's not like you have a, a whole abnormal anything in your heart, but it looks as if uh, you are going to die soon because <laughs> it shows that people die, people in your family maybe with heart disease die suddenly. I said, no, I worship a God that has paid the price already. And when a debt is paid in full, why would the debt be paid again? So I am not going to die. We are going to have that procedure today. And we went in. I was the first patient that July 12th. And we went in. It was successful. And uh, suddenly, I was fine. Every test came out normal. Then fear of what that doctor said started all over again. That was the Saturday I came and lay here. I said, God, you said you have taken it away. The fear, the anxiety, and everything. I said, what is going on? And when you were preaching on Sunday, you were talking about death, death, death. All those things, I started like understanding it. After 30 something years of a nurse and, you know, doing life office for people, for the first time, I, until my mom died, I didn't understand it. Until then. So, it is true. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And I know that we are fighting and working to make heaven by all means. Amen. Praise God. Amen. One year later. Thank God. We ought to thank God for that. I remember because remember we were in the middle of COVID. And so we're dealing with COVID and then we had this hard situation. I'm like, God, help us. God, you got to do something. But God is good. And this is why we need to be together because we can stand in the gap for one another. Because sometimes the devil will come and try to discourage you. The devil will try to come and try to make you feel like you have no hope. But because we have one another, when we come together, we have a church family. We're going to heaven together, church. And because we're going to heaven together, we ought to do everything we can to lift up each other, to encourage one another, and to make sure we take care of one another. 
I want to live a healthy Christian life. I want you to live a healthy Christian life. And we're going to change. We're going to move forward as a church in healthy living. When everybody's going around saying they're going to live their best life, I want you to say, I'm living my best life. Because the bottom line is your best life is in Christ. And God is going to heal you if it's healing that you need. He's already proven physical healing, but he's going to heal some of us spiritually and emotionally and mentally. He's going to heal us, and then we're going to begin to produce fruit like we never believed we could have. You're going to wonder, how is this happening? But it's because you allowed God to heal you, and it's going to be because you repented when you realized you were doing wrong, and God used you mightily. Father, we thank you tonight for your word for your presence, for what you're doing in the lives of your people. We're so grateful. We're so thankful, Lord. God, there is none like you. None can compare to you. You're truly wonderful and awesome. We are indebted to you, O oh God. And Lord, we will always seek you to say, God, what can we do to help with whatever, O oh God, your purpose is for our life and for the life of others? We want you to work through us as conduits that the will of God may be done, that the glory of the Lord may be revealed in the earth. I pray tonight, Lord, that every word spoken tonight by the authority and the power of the Holy Ghost, that, Lord, it will take root into the heart of your people and it will manifest the work of God. And then, Lord, we will begin to see the hand of God upon our lives and we will begin to experience health, oh God, a healthy living in Christ and that we will live our best life in Christ and that we will be who we're supposed to be and we will produce the fruit that you call us to produce. Oh God, raise us up and help us to have healthy living in you, Lord, for we want your will to be done. Hear our cry tonight, Lord God, and as we go forward, we go forward according to your will and purpose, according to your power and your word. Help us to go forward in doing the will of God, in being strong in this hour, in not wavering in this hour, in truly embracing the word of God, the spirit of God in our lives. Oh God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for there is none like you. We pray these things tonight in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord praise in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, church. I love you. Have a great evening.